everyone, and welcome back to Crash Couch. We are here to talk about the latest episode of The Expanse. Uh, I'm trying to find the title of it, but I don't know what it is right now off the top of my head. So, it's called The Latest Episode. Yeah. That's, that's yes, the title. Exactly. <laughs> this week um, on The Expanse. Oh, it's the seventh, the seventh Man. That's what it's called. Which is ironically uh, the seventh episode of the season. There you go. Yes, we uh, the the voice that you hear is Eric. Hello, Eric, how are you? I am doing and, wonderful. And, and Lou, hello. And I'm Chris, as always. So hi, Chris. Yeah, hi. I'm sorry. It's, I'm it's... tired. I'm a little punchy tonight. <laughs> yeah, we just got finished with a really interesting episode of Echo Base. Yes, so very good episode. Yes, so um, if you're a Star Wars fan, go listen to that. Um, but this is all about The Expanse, as always, and we're here to talk about it. So, The Seventh Man, I'm just going to go out and say it right now. I was a little bored with this episode. It felt a little bit like Season 1 era stuff, like where not much is happening, but it's like building up to something. Because I, I was a little bored and you know not really into the episode as a whole. Um, I mean, they had it, it, it's interesting moments, but for the most part, I was like, I was checking my phone and wasn't really like locked in. And then like the last five minutes, um, after, uh, Anderson Dawes leaves the station and, uh, um, uh, Alex and Naomi go after them. And then they discover Diogo is the one on the ship and that's it. Like that's when things started to like ramp up and I was really excited. And then the episode ended. Yeah. It's like, finally, we're getting Ooh. somewhere, and then it just goes to credits. I'm like, oh. Well, that's okay, because we know that the next thing we're going to see is the continuation of it getting somewhere. Exactly. So it's so... all good. Now, we did yeah, get to you, see... What did you guys think? Well, I... <laughs> I I'm basically... Lou and I, I think, are of a like mind here, and that's that we are uh, a little disoriented shall we say with what's going on with Bobby um, mm -hmm. this is not how it was handled in the books uh, we talked about the end of the last episode we, we talked at the end of the last episode of the crash couch how we would be talking in this episode about the continuation of how it was going to happen because they kind of skipped out on some stuff from the book so obviously they had to do blank and they didn't and they didn't and that blank was pull the footage from her her uh, suit or her tell them what happened. And, and the whole episode is basically her not remembering what's happening, getting interrogated mm. by Marcy basically wants her to just all but read from a script saying that they were attacked so that they have justification. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they're doing a really good job in this storytelling of letting or not letting the viewer know what's going on, which right. it, I, I mean, I, that kind of sounds wrong to say it that way that you want the viewer to know what's going on. But in this case, you know, we don't know what's going on. And, and it's great to be able to watch this and not really have a good, clear answer, um, you know, as to yeah. who's behind what, what. What is going on? I mean, is that, you know, we have no idea what that creature was. Um, Mars doesn't want to know about it, or at least that's, it sounds like from her new commanding officer of the, uh, of the ship there interrogating her. 
when she does start to remember things, um, they kind of shut her down. I mean, you know, the chaplain said, okay, that's enough. She's had enough. Let's, let's stop this. And just when she was starting to remember kind of what was going on, it's like, is he behind something? I, you know, it, it's, it's very well thought out. I think from their point of view of doing the show, even keeping people like, you know, Eric and I have read the novels, you know, kind of a little off kilter. So we don't really know what's happening. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I guess in a certain sense, I'm a little bit jealous because in the books, we find out exactly what the nature of the attack was right away. Like we, we know pretty much immediately mm-hmm. at the end of the attack. Uh, and in the TV show, we don't. And I think that, the, like you said, Lou, they're doing a really good job of um, kind of uh, keeping it suspenseful for uh, a reveal later on that might be more meaningful to the TV series pacing uh, because we got, what, five episodes left? So I think it's going to build up to a crescendo and they're going to handle it a little bit differently in the TV series than they did in the books while still hitting those main milestones. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that there's something to be said for how they're handling it on the TV show, because the nature of the trauma that she experiences, it perhaps is a little bit more realistic. Uh, Not that it's unrealistic in the book, but if they're going to explore it more deeply on the show, this is a more realistic way for them to explore it more, more deeply. Uh, So again, it's one of the situations where I'm not complaining uh, because it's done well it's just unexpected because it's done differently. And there's so much of the show that is so accurately adapted from the novels that when, then when we see things that are not, it's, it's a little bit distracting. Um, I, I kind of wonder if this is how fans of game of Thrones felt in, in the early seasons, uh, because I've <laughs> not read the books. <laughs> But, you know, I've heard all kinds of like, oh, no, they're they're so off their rocker now. Uh, the Walking Dead, I guess, is another show. But The Walking Dead is because I've, I've read um, the comics basically a little bit past to where we are now in the show right now. But I think The Walking Dead departs from the original content even more than The Expanse. The Expanse is still really pretty close to the books. So it's weird when we yeah, get stuff like this. Yeah, it's close, but it's jumbling things up, too. I mean, we're not getting everything that we would have had in the books by now. Right. Um, we're further along in parts of the story than we would have been, and they've totally left out um, what I think is a pretty big portion of the second book. And it, it seems to me like they're going to they're gonna drop that story point entirely. Because why would they have it? Why would they add it in if they haven't gotten to it by now? I guess. Right. I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, Eric, but I do, and we okay. should probably yeah. hold off in case they do get to that. In the, in yeah, the no, show, I'm not going to say anything about it. But you know, there's one of these things it's... where it's like, well, okay, how are they going to introduce that? So I'm kind of waiting for that to come around into the story, and we're not getting it. It's almost and like they're rebooting the, bo- the, the book. The weakest part of that story, anyway. So I'm kind of glad they're they're not bringing it in. Yeah. Unless they find a way to to tie it in with what's going on in the show in such a way that it matches the pacing of the show. The, the pacing pacing is probably the wrong word for it because that talks about the speed, but the, the narrative of the, of the show is different from the narrative of the book. It's mm-hmm. so similar, but like you said, they're, they're mixing things up. It almost feels like a reboot sometimes, but it's, it's 
rebooting with the same story with the same showrunners with this like it's it doesn't count as a reboot but mm. it's weird it, it also doesn't feel like there's been as much time between the events of you know what we saw up until eros you know went rogue to now um because book one ends with that and then book two yeah. starts with the events we saw basically last week um but i think that's a perception was, thing too was, any anytime you I'm finish sorry, a book i think that might be a perception thing too because when you finish a book and then you've got like a year before the next novel comes out when you start reading that next novel you kind of assume unless it's otherwise mm-hmm. stated that a good amount of time has passed. Whereas on the show, like you said, we just started book two. So it's been like a week. So yeah, but I think, I think in the novels, they say several months have passed. Do they? Okay. I think so. And, and in here, I don't get that same sense. See, I disagree with that. Okay. Um, I think like, I, I thought that actually today, uh, that, uh, cause I just, this was when I watched the episode, um, I got the sense that a little bit of time has passed because I was thinking, why aren't more people like talking about Eros and like being really concerned about it? And then I thought to myself, oh, wait a minute, maybe a bunch, a little bit of time has passed since then. And then I was thinking, well, that makes sense because this is the start of, um, a new book. Mm-hmm. So there was two things in the episode that did give me a little bit of a sense of passage of time. One of them was um, the conversation between um, Abisarla, um her boss, and uh, well, who's he, the president or the, the head of the UN, I guess, uh, the, you know, the other gentleman that was there in the room with them, um, where he was saying, well, you know, you, who was at the saved earth from Eros? And, you know, they were, they were talking about that event like it was happened a while ago. Mm-hmm. And, and that was like, okay, so maybe a little bit of time has passed. And the other thing is the scientist guy that they had captured there on, on Takeo Station, he is his his painting on the window is getting more and more elaborate. Hmm. So that kind of yeah. lends to me thinking, okay, time is passing. How much time I don't know, but time is passing. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, it it's hard when you know, it's a week to week TV series and they didn't do a mid season hiatus for which I'm grateful. Uh, but then you get like, how do you express the passage of time without, uh, you, you can't have a visual representation of people aging because we're talking, you know, a couple of months right. and yet you don't want to just blurt it out and, and have exposition because they don't do that. Like that's not, I I hate to say it this way, but they're better than that. Right. They, they show they don't tell. And that's one of the great things about this series. Uh, But yeah, now that you mention it, it makes sense. And you could even argue the activities of the crew helping out with refugees and stuff like that. um, Different things that that it's been shown. You, You kind of assume that they're in a different place now than they were in the last episode. So, yeah, true. I guess I guess refugees wouldn't get from Ganymede to Tycho in an hour. <laughs> it's a little mm-hmm. bit longer of a commute, right? And so. the interaction with the refugees and and you know uh, everything that the, the way that the refugees are being handled on the station, you know, it it's I don't know. It it makes sense. Like I didn't have 
really any sort of a problem with that. I think for me, uh, the Bobby stuff, again, it's not bad. It's it's just, it was It's just different. Yeah, you're right. It's not yeah. bad at all. It's just different. Yeah. The, the one thing that kind of, you know, sometimes the, the TV show will go against things that were said in the book. Um, primarily the one that comes to mind in this episode was there was a huge... I shouldn't say huge, but there's a big section of the book where, where Bobby is thinking about um, the the camera footage. You know, let's get this back here. Let's take a look at this. What's going on? And she's like, "Oh, I hope they didn't." I forget the term they use, but basically, use the emergency code to blow her suit off of her, which means she wouldn't have to, or she would have to get a new suit made. And because she was such a large woman and tall, she needed a custom made suit, and it was a real rigmarole to get. You know, the yeah. UN to, or the, the Mars Navy to approve a custom built suit for her and all this other stuff. It all fit together really well in the book. And in the in the first thing they show in this episode, they blow the suit off her. I'm like, okay, didn't it just go against everything we did in the book? And they didn't explain any of that, which I thought was, you know, it, it's minor stuff, but it was really, I thought, gave a sense of detail to the universe that made me really believe things. But you could argue that the more they get wrapped up in the details on the show for the sake of. Uh, what I hate to say would end up being fan service, then you're going to destroy the pacing of the show. So I oh, agree with you. Like, I didn't catch that detail, but it's the type of thing that you just mentioned that that I agree with that, that stands out to me as someone who's read the books. Uh, though the second book, probably less than any of the others. I wasn't as much a fan of the second book. But I think it's working for the TV series. Um, I think that... For example, what they're doing with Bobby not remembering much and the the different interrogations, it's helping demonstrate just how far the tensions between Earth and Mars go. And because that is such a, a big, strong theme for the television series, I think it's, it's wise that they're doing that. Uh, additionally, I don't remember anything about the priest being in the books. Uh, maybe he was again. It's been no, a while I don't since think I he second. was either. Okay. So like, I don't get what's going on with that whole thing, but I appreciate that because it's nice to have things that I don't know what's coming because it could be a departure from the books. And at some point I imagine that with the TV series, the departures from the books could become more major like they have been with the walking dead. Uh, like they have been, I mean, Daryl Dixon is not in the comics. There are people who die in the comics who don't on the TV series and vice versa. Uh, Game of Thrones. Again, I haven't read the books, but they apparently have, have diverged in some very major ways. At some point, I imagine with The Expanse, we're going to get even bigger um, divergence and yet still hit the major uh, milestones throughout the story and stuff. And for me, I guess I'm kind of looking forward to that because it'll give me some more excitement right now. I'm enjoying the ride of seeing this book series that I love so much born on screen. And I love that. But when I get little things like this priest, who's like, okay, well, he's helping Bobby out. That's, that's kind of cool. Oh no, wait, he's not helping her out. He's manipulating her. Why is he like, who, what, what? Where, where's he coming from? Mm. Is he part of a larger organization? Is he on his own trying to do things? Is there a conspiracy going on? What's he up to? What's Mars up to? 
or is he not necessarily handling Mars's best interests? He's, you know, some shadow organization or working on his own. Like now I have something to pique my interest and I'm like, Ooh, Hey, that's, that's new. What's going on with that? So mm-hmm. sometimes that can be, while it can be distracting getting there because it doesn't meet your expectations. Sometimes it opens up new mysteries that you didn't have before. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And I think that's one thing I believe I mentioned it last week that I'm glad that the show is doing that they're trailing a little bit away from well, not, you know, too much in terms of story, but just in the execution of some things that was in the book, but not is in the show or um, even vice versa. Uh, I think that's a good way to um, keep the show entertaining to not only casual viewers um, or people that haven't read the books, but also people that have and may get a little distracted and or bored with the story since they already know what's going on. So I think if you change it up a little, um, but still keep the main flow of it intact. I I think that's a very smart move. Right. Yeah. Um, What else uh, stood out to you guys from this episode or even, you know, both positive and negative things? I mean, I kind of got mine out of the way (laughs) at the (laughs) beginning. Um, I I was glad to see uh, Anderson Dahl's come back um yeah i like his character yeah i i think that the guy who plays him i don't know his name off the top of my head but i think he does a pretty good job i don't recall what i said about him when we did our season one um shows but i at least i believe i liked him then and i i like his character now i think he's I don't know if he's supposed to be a villain, but it, it looks like he's, you know, supposed to at least lean towards that. So I'm curious to see what he ends up doing, given the fact that he stole the science guy or scientist guy. Yeah, I um, like Lou said, I didn't remember that being in the book. And uh, so, again, that was another divergence that I I found interesting. Um, I like where they're going with him. I I don't remember ever really connecting with him as much in the book as I am on the television series. And I think that's a testament to the actor who, who is portraying him. I think he does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I underestimated how they used him in the book. Uh, and I probably, when I go back and reread the book or re-listen, because like Lou, I do the audiobook stuff. Uh, when I re-listen to the books again, I think I'm going to have to pay more attention to that character because I... You know, I was thinking the exact same thing. I, I remember him in the book being mentioned, mm-hmm. but I don't remember him being a big player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it may be because the actor has done such a good job. Uh, Jared Harris is the, the actor who plays uh, Anderson Dawes, and he's done a great job of making this character come to life. And, and it could be the fact they're using him more earlier... Because I don't think he played much of a role in the first two books. I thought he played more role in the third book. Yeah, I agree. I I think that it's another case, much like with Avasarala and Bobby, where they're utilizing him more early on. And again, because he plays into the different factions directly, I think that's smart. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they're they're definitely playing up the tensions more um, earlier because yeah. the, the tensions between Earth, Mars, and the Belt really ramped up in the third book um, is where I really first started seeing that become a real big issue. Yeah, and it always felt like uh, wow, we we, we seem to get here, but we didn't really talk about this too much until now. But now they're really building up nice and slowly, which I think is, is awesome. Um, the only thing that was a little bit off in this episode for me was the whole. Well, the last episode in this episode, the battle over Ganymede um, seemed to come out of nowhere. I mean, it happened in the book as well, too, but it happened because of what was going on on the ground. And it seemed like it happened before the ground fighting started. Yeah, I was a little confused I, on I, that, too. I don't want to get off what you guys were saying, but something about Ganymede, is it supposed to be? Because I feel like... I remember reading this on Twitter, especially during the live tweet that I did last week while the episode was airing. So people seem to at least be hinting that Ganymede was like a big thing and not not in really necessarily in scale, but like in length, too. Um, but I feel like at least in the show, it was something that, while important, was very minor at least again in terms of scale that the event and, that the like, event of Ganymede this episode would kind of because I, I know we had the when um, the whatever happened to Bobby and her squad, mm -hmm. but I, then I feel like some time passed and then we saw her wake up and then um, they I guess rescued her or whatever. But are uh, you saying that the event at Ganymede was minor or that Ganymede itself is a minor? Uh, a, a location of minor importance. Um, I, I guess I, I, I didn't catch what you you were trying to say. My, well, my point was people were hyping it up to be some big thing, and then we got a little bit of it at the end, and then we started this episode way after it. Okay. So, okay, I was getting the impression that maybe there's something that they didn't film or show, or that there's just a piece of it that's missing like i thought it was going to be this big event and it just was a right 10 minute maybe scene and that was it well and again that's the result of expectations set from the books so we're going to get yeah. one of two things um either we are going to end up seeing later on the extra stuff that happened that we saw in the books and, and maybe we'll get you know bobby flashing back to it or something like that or we won't get any of that and it will be deemed unnecessary because the the important aspects of it will be handled otherwise through the story. And it really could go either way. Uh, I, I could see ways they could do it just leaving the way they've already handled it alone. Or I could see them introducing little bits and pieces of it throughout the rest of the season. Mm -hmm. um, Ganymede was a big deal in the novels like we've said before it opens the second novel it's the introduction of Bobby it's the introduction of the immediate tension between Mars and Earth and it opens up uh, the other part of the story that Lou said um, that we haven't seen yet at all and that they may or may not even include in the season yet Uh so, yeah, in the books, Ganymede was basically it was the event that got the entire second book started. 
okay. the TV series, though, they don't necessarily need to rely on that event to get the ball rolling because they've already got some balls rolling. So it doesn't have to be as as epic a thing as in the books. You know, it's really mm. it's it's fascinating as we go along to do the comparison between the show and the book because the differences you, you can't imagine that they would have done anything differently in the book in some cases, but then in the TV show, they're able yeah, to do things differently and it works. And you can kind of look at the books as uh, rough drafts, if you will, because of course the sixth book just came out um, and there are, I think four short stories, four or five short stories as well. So you could argue that they're looking at it, both from the perspective of, okay, this works well on TV and that works well in, in, in the written page, mm-hmm. but also, Hey, now that we know where we're going with some of this stuff, we can build it up differently. Yeah. And that's, that's a big deal that, I mean, that's gotta be exciting for them as showrunners. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can add to the universe too. And if you go back and read the book after you get like, not necessarily the backstory, but you get more of the fluff. It, it sort of helps your interpretation of the book. Like that's why I can't wait to at least go back and read Leviathan Wakes. I'll probably do it after the conclusion of this season um, and see the comparisons. And it's it'll be nice to ha- kind of have this back knowledge in my head while I read it because you know, there, there'll probably be parts in the book that if I just read it, I might get confused or I might have to, or I, I would glance over it and completely miss the point. Whereas I'm, I kind of know what to expect and it's a little bit more refreshing and could make it a little bit more enjoyable. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious now. We've said it before We're you know, we're curious how Chris is going to look at the TV series, having not read the book. Now I'm curious as to how you're going to look at the book having come from the TV series. I was just thinking the same thing. I, I can't wait to talk to Chris after he reads the second book. Yeah. And the differences yeah. he'll get from that after seeing the, the TV show first. So get on it, man. <laughs> um, so you know, one, I, one other thing that um, I liked uh, first, before I say it, Eric, what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, I thought that this was a good episode, but I, I don't really have a lot else I can think of to bring up as far as other, you know, ideas or insights. So I, I'm glad that you were about to to throw one out there. So what you oh, got? Uh, it's nothing really major, but I, I liked the moment when um, they're dealing with refugees. And you said earlier they came from Ganymede? No. I thought uh, that's what you said. Where I did believe they come that's from? where they did come from. Yeah, I thought they were. Oh, yes, I guess they would be from Ganymede, not from. Yeah, they were from. Gan- For some reason, I, I I hedged my bet and I thought, no, that that must have been from Ceres or or from, uh, uh, you know, somewhere else. But yeah, no, the they're from Ganymede. Eros, we got a big problem because then the protomoth is yeah. loose. Yeah, yeah, well, right. <laughs> um, but uh, I I liked it was when that scene where they were bringing in refugees and you had, you had um holden and naomi doing something and then you had uh, alex doing something which i feel like he's really good with kids that was like just an observation i had mm-hmm. um and then you get to um 
Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Amos. Amos, yes. For some, I almost called it by the actor's name, Wes, and that was <laughs> not good. <laughs> Too much live tweeting is what I'm doing. Um, but anyways, uh, he had that interaction with the because he was. It was almost like he didn't want to be there. He was being his usual grumpy self, mm-hmm. and then he pushes that lady over, and then the uh, yeah. son or the daughter, what I can't remember the if it was son or daughter of uh, the mom came over and was like harassing him. And then he like got this really weird sense of, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Like right? it's triggering and, a flashback or like, yeah. yeah. And I'm kind of curious cause I, I really like Amos as a character. So I'm curious to see what happens with that. And also um, where, cause I, I think that was another Testament to the show and how it's getting much better at developing its characters. Cause I think that's something that it, sort of struggled with at the start like i i I really liked all the characters and i felt myself get attached to them pretty quickly but it took a little bit for them to really start developing into um new things with you know different kinds of personalities and whatnot well you had to develop them as part of the team um, yeah. So that you got the relationship of family first, because that's really what, especially with Holden's team, that that's a, a crux of, of everything that's going on. Um, so I think with season two, they finally had an opportunity to delve into some of the more personal aspects of of the different characters. And I, I think Amos especially is a character that's more complex than a lot of people give him credit for. Um, a lot of times in shows like this, you get the muscle or the thug who is basically just kind of a, a slightly dim-witted brute. Mm-hmm. And the backstory really is more or less just a, about, you know, who who they were a bodyguard for or, or something like that. There's not really much psychological backstory uh, because mm-hmm. it's easy for people to dismiss uh, characters who aren't really overtly complex personality wise as being simpletons. And Amos is not a simpleton. I mean, first of all, he's a mechanic. He can fix spaceships. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's impressive. And we're talking like, you know, reactor drives and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah, he's muscle, but he's also fiercely loyal. Uh, he, has a better grasp of the psychology of the people around him than you might give him credit for on the surface. As we saw with his interactions with Miller, when he was talking to Miller about Holden and the rest of the crew. And uh, now we see that, you know, there's, there's more going on with Amos under the surface than we're aware of. Mm hmm. Uh, and again, this uh, I don't recall this scene from the books, so I'm, I'm speaking um, knowing about Amos's character in general, but not necessarily how they are going to follow through with this particular scene and whatever can of right. worms that this scene opens. Yeah. I think it's a testament, too, of just, and this goes for all of the actors, I, I think they really nail their character roles and really... I mean, one one problem with uh, TV or movies, too, that uh, you don't get there, but you get in books is when you have like the internal dialogue or you can 
actually sit and take a paragraph to describe what the character is feeling. Right. And sometimes that's really hard to convey from, you know, in the uh, visual media. But mm. I think mm -hmm. that all of the actors here do a really, really nice job at, you know, kind of conveying what they're feeling and what's going through their head. Um, I know part of that's probably also credit to um, the directors and just really the entire crew that does that handles that. But I, I think it's, it's, it's a really positive thing, especially in uh, a series like the expanse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I still get the impression though, that the crew isn't just one big happy family. Oh yeah, I I know, there's still some tensions mind. going on there that that I'm still trying to sort out myself because it just doesn't feel right, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you even see that uh, on full view between um, uh, Holden and Naomi. Right. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. One last thing before we uh, close out. I am curious about because there was this one scene where um, the scientist is talking to someone I can't recall who, and they say that uh, the proto molecule he's like communicating with the proto molecule, uh -huh. and um, then I think it was Holden and Fred Johnson was talking about, well, how can you be communicating with that um, when you know we killed it, you know we blew up. Um, that one station, Phoebe station, and uh, then we sent Eros to Venus and it blew up. So, yeah, I'm curious to see where that goes as well. I have my thoughts, but they're they're just thoughts, and I doubt that they'll come true. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the exact line I think you're you're, you're talking about there was, I mean, I think Fred Johnson was saying. You know, he's communicating with it, but what's he communicating with? And yes. And holding them an answer for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the storyline, we know that, like you said, they destroyed Phoebe. They scoured everything off of Thof Station. Eros blew itself up into Venus. The only thing that Fred doesn't know about that we do is the sample that Holden thinks has been destroyed. Oh yeah, I that forgot about that. Naomi didn't destroy. <laughs> the the funny thing is, I didn't even realize that until I did the live tweet. Okay, I I, I completely thought that um, Naomi you know actually sent it into the sun. I didn't realize that she didn't. Well, yeah, it was a really clip quick clip where you see the drive power down and the missile never went anywhere. You're like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she was his girlfriend and everything was happy and no, no, maybe something's wrong here. Yeah, yeah, and that's the, exactly the the thing. You saw something not happen, so right, yeah. I I can see where like the first time I I'm like, wait a minute, it was really was really that, quick too. So are we saying that she didn't hit the button? So I I backed it up a few seconds. I'm like, okay, yeah. So I I think that's what I'm supposed to take away from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a simulation, right? I think that's what the official term was. Um, that it was just a simulation. I think so that Holden could see it, right? Because they did show it on the screen, but right, yeah. So I think right. it, it I showed think it the track going, it was moving, and yeah. yeah. 
Holden was like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll leave now. I know what's going on from Mary Way. Well, of yeah. course, they're going to have to explain to us what it is the scientist is hearing mm-hmm. coming up soon. Yeah. I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. I'm not saying hope anything. So. hope so. Watch it be some end-of-season cliffhanger. <laughs> Which, it by might. the way, Eric, uh, you yes. said was we have five episodes left. I think we actually have six because there's 13 in this season. Ah, that's right. Yes. So, And we're on seven. Okay. Unless they do a two-parter then. No, nah, let's make um, it we 12. Might. We don't need 13. Let's do 12. So, Who, who wants more? I mean, come on, really? <laughs> now we're just being yeah. greedy. All right. So before we close out, uh, I sent out a tweet on our um, Twitter feed today. I said, what do you think of the season of The Expanse so far? And we had quite a bit of responses, so I just want to go through them real quick. Let me go here to the um, start of the answers. All right. So... Uh, Jeremy Hunt says, I think it's easily the best sci-fi on TV. Rob says, I'm totally digging it. I like how it has its own groove and feel from last season so far. Tyrone says, I like that they haven't strayed too far from the books, and when they have, it's worked. Very impressed. Laura Moore says, marvelous, amazing. Wait, how about Amazeballs? (laughs) (laughs) Amazeballs. Yes. Expanse Season 3 said, perfection. Uh, the Expanse Twitter, uh, the official Expanse Twitter, said, Diogo can sum it up for us, and it has a gif of him doing a little dance. Oh, sure. Easy Be- for them to say they like it. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Bianca says, I love it, especially the relationship between Naomi and Jim. I love the teamwork this couple puts in. Lillian says, it's brilliant. Rena says, love the character interactions, and I'm finding season two is actually easier to follow after all last season's setup. I fully agree with that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Carrie, our resident webmaster, says, oh my God, it's so good. Uh, Nanda says, it has become the best sci-fi TV show of the past four years to me. Every episode is better than the previous one. Brandy says season one established it as the best sci-fi show on TV. Season two is presenting a very strong case for it being the best show on TV, period. Grace says in one word, brilliant. Okay and okay said season one was good. Season two has been great. And let's see. TJ says, although there is a long list with differences, many Firefly fans, Firefly fans told me the expanse has eased their pain and I'm totally in love. Lillian says again, easily the best science fiction on television in years. Uh, I think that's it. So thank you to all of the people who took the time out of their day to reply to that tweet. If you send us more feedback, um, you can, we'll probably read it on air too. Hmm. We've got, we've gotten quite a bit so far. So good to know. So next time on the crash couch, we're going to be talking about episode eight, which is called Pyre. So interested to see what that means. I, I love the episode titles. Yeah. I, w- I always feel like it gives a a little, little vague hint about what's to expect or what's to come. So if you have feedback for us, you can send that to us at crashcouch at randomchatter.com. That goes to myself, Eric, and Lou. So we will definitely see it. 
You can also find us on our social media accounts. We have our Facebook, facebook.com slash random chatter network. The Twitter account is at crash couch, which reminder that I do live tweets every Wednesday uh, at uh, 10 PM as the show airs on sci-fi. So check it out. Uh, the network Twitter is at random chatter. My Twitter is at the curse of Chris. Eric, what is your Twitter? Uh, it's at Eric Blythe. That's E-R-I-K-B-L-Y-T-H-E. And Lou. Yeah, mine's at Lou Secchi. That's L-O-U-S-E-C-K-I. You can find all of our shows at randomchatter.com. We have our entertainment shows, the Star Wars stuff, and a few other television shows as well, similar to um, Crash Couch. We also have my new show, Chasing Fandom, which just launched last week as of this recording and um still lots of really cool things uh lots lots of variety too so even if you don't like um some science fiction stuff we have other things to talk about we have a music podcast um we have the marvel uh tv show stuff um what else do we have retro convo random chatter star wars so check it out for sure uh you can spread the word about the network and all of the shows Leave us reviews on iTunes and Stitcher, and also tell your friends about us as well. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, more information about that, patreon.com slash random chatter. Finally, the music you hear in this podcast is Welcome to the End by Cell Dweller. So check out Cell Dweller if you've not already. All right, guys, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Any last words? Nope. As always, just waiting, uh, looking forward to the next episode. Yeah. Yep, definitely. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Take care.